Well, welcome everyone to uh, Journey Wednesday Night Live. We're so glad that you joined us here. A self high five for the panel that you see today. Yeah, that was good. Wow. <laughs> Look at the special guest right there. Like wow. That. Yeah, that's. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah. Is that that's Jesus? Like, the it looks like Jesus to me, man. Wow. Better than this guy right here. Oh, that's a better picture. Thank oh, no. you. Didn't see you guys there today, but thank you for joining us. Uh, it looks a little bit different. We are trying to set the example with the social distancing. So you get the Brady Bunch method today. Uh, we get a chance to uh, see everyone face to face, and you get to bring us into your living rooms. Thank goodness for technology, where now we can all worship together and still get a chance to go through Bible studies and learn together. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Drew Carey. I'm coming for your job. Um, <laughs> so we want to make sure Wednesdays is always huge in us interacting with people. When we are inside the church and those walls, we have table talk but we don't have that luxury now, which is actually a blessing in disguise because now we get to hear from you instantly. So as you are following along, why don't you leave some questions or some comments in the chat? We wanna hear from you. We want to know the questions that you have. We wanna see where you're actually watching us online. So take a picture, show us how you're listening, worshiping with us at the same time. But uh, I think Jeffrey Barnett did a wonderful job last week bringing out the humor. I'm pretty sure that I won. But J Rod paid people to say that it was people. overwhelming, J Rod. But I mean, I don't want to gloat too much. <laughs> I vibrate at his finest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get into I'm a big goal guy. Uh, I love setting goals. Uh, some can be minimal, some can be huge. But I'd like to know what's one goal that you guys have for this year? Who's going first? It looks like you. Um, my goal is to get shocked, mom. <laughs> Spend more time in the green room. <laughs> um, my goal, I don't really set goals because then I don't feel bad when I don't reach them. So oh, that's good, dude. Way to encourage <laughs> my goal is to, uh, uh, be a good dad, to be a good husband and to not screw those things up. Right. Yeah. Um, but serious goals, I think, uh, I don't know, just to uh, just be faithful, you know, and be, like I said, be a good husband, be a good dad. So, sorry. I'm, uh, my goals are shoot 63 on a regular basis, but, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. So that's a good goal. Uh, a short-term goal is just to get through this uh this quarantine time with limited damage to my family and to my friends to make sure that we um, aren't passing this along to other people. But long-term is really to impact uh, uh, the, the staff and the community with just a, a greater level of Christ and just having friends, helping people connect with other people and having greater, deeper friendships in Christ. And that's a goal for me is really to help people um, grow in their faith and grow in friendship. Hey, Jeffrey. Uh, actually, one thing, one of my goals is to track my goals because uh, I got some great advice from Ed Garcia. He's like one of the most faithful 
man I, I know and great family man, really hardworking. And one thing he said he does is that on his computer, every time he, he turns it on, he has a, his goals for the year, what he wants to accomplish. Because uh, something he told me is that life is full of life is full of distractions. And so that's what I did this year. I kind of wrote different goals down emotionally, you know, physical health goals, spiritual goals, different things. And I'm going to actually kind of track them and review them, review them uh, so that because I just tend to notice that it's easy to allow yourself to drift and allow yourself to forget maybe some of the things that we do. So that's that's kind of my goal is to track my goals and to review them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, one of mine is uh, actually just to keep my sanity as uh, Sawyer is homeschooled for this period in time <laughs> and make it out alive. So uh, How's that going? <laughs> I'm talking to Mario a lot more. So <laughs> I have some other big goals I'll be putting down right now. It's just to, to make it through. Uh, so now the question comes to you at home. What goals do you have? Leave that in the comment section as well. Post, uh, take a picture, a snapshot of your, your goals that you have moving forward. But thank you guys for sharing. Um, to continue on with our night, I would like to recap a little what we studied last week. We started this couch slash table talk with uh, those handsome guys that you're seeing on the screen right now. And we got to hear uh, about what was going on in Romans as we started chapter nine. We got to see this through the viewpoint of the author, Paul, as he was speaking with the sorrow that he had on his heart, um, the sorrow that he felt, and his call to explain his point of view of what God's mercy was. Uh, did you guys get something strong themes that stuck out to you from last week? Yeah, one of the things that I got, I, I kind of shared last week was that Paul was just brokenhearted that he, his friends that he grew up with didn't have Christ. There seemed to be a disconnect. And it's very similar to me. I have a bunch of friends that I'd love to have uh, in Christ with me as brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes that brings a level of sorrow. And that's kind of what was driving Paul last week. That's what I pulled out of the text. Good. Where'd you get, Barnett? Not just for me that God chooses us, not according to what we have done, but according to his purpose. And so that's not really, I remember I used to just always questioning the call on my life for ministry and not feeling worthy, not feeling like I was supposed to do it, but just understanding God, he's the one that chooses us and, and just accepting that, you know, it's not based on, on me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we had a great conversation last week. Uh, man, so much has happened <laughs> since then. It just seems uh, so far away. Uh, but I don't know. I think that just uh, just the sense of being together uh, helped to overcome uh, a little bit about uh, what's going on and just kind of give us a bigger picture of what's what's happening, who God is, and how um, how we are are loved by Him and cared by Him throughout this process. So. Yeah, yeah it's, all, it's always fun getting a chance to just talk to you guys um, about what you get out of it. The, everyone gets something differently out of the scriptures, so it's pretty fun to, to recap and hear about that. But tonight we're going to close out uh, chapter 9. And I'm just going to tell you that 9 is an intense chapter to go through. Um, if some of this is flying over your head, trust me, it flew over my head last week. So we're going to do our best to kind of uh, chew on this and learn together. 
but with that, we are going to jump right into Scripture. So if you have a Bible handy, I ask you guys to go grab your Bible and open it up to Romans. And we're going to be going through chapter 9 and starting with verse 17. And we're going to have the Professor Jeremy Case, please read that. All right. Uh, it says, For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some, and he chooses to harden the hearts of others, so they refuse to listen. Well, then you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? Yeah. So Paul does something really interesting here. He's showing his point in putting side by side kind of a comparison of, of Moses and Pharaoh. Uh, to Moses, God exercises his mercy, and toward Pharaoh, God exercises justice. So we get these two complete different points of view. And God was just in both cases. And interestingly enough, God used both men to further his purposes. See, God raised up Moses to be a deliverer of his people and a type of Messiah that they could look to to come. And God raised up Pharaoh to display his great power and to proclaim his glory. Each of these men are, are so different in so many ways, but at the same time, they're so similar. They were each kind of rebels. They each murdered someone. Um, they're not as different as you would seem, yet they had totally different sides that they went down in life. So I'd like to ask you guys uh, in this section, I'm kind of calling Pharaoh's profile. Um, it's talking about this hardened heart, what Jeremy just read. Uh, what does a hardened heart mean to you? And how do you feel that you get a hardened heart? Uh, I, I guess I can answer that one first. Um, well, here we see God um, in the business of choosing to harden hearts. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not one who believes that God is uh, just taking an innocent person and completely overwhelming their ability to choose and to have free will. It seems as if God is handing people over to their own desires, like their own natural proclivity. You take Pharaoh. Pharaoh is not an innocent individual um, who is, you know, has his free will thwarted and, uh, oh, no, poor Pharaoh. No, no, no. Like, he has a proclivity, like a natural uh, desire for things, and God seems to hand Pharaoh over to Pharaoh's own desires. And I think the same thing is true with us, is that, man, like, there's, there's a foothold that gets opened, and the door uh, just kind of continues to open up and continue to open up as we, you know, turn from God and allow everything else to enter in. Uh, then we can become very callous and very hardened to, to God and to others. Yeah, I think it really relates to me because that's what happened to me. I, I, I think I was a believer in Christ before I uh, hit, hit uh, rock bottom, so to speak. And God didn't uh, harden my heart. He just turned me over to my own desires, which my desires were for me, myself, and I. And so there was this moment where he had to 
break me down so that my heart would turn to to flesh like ezekiel says so that i could start feeling and feelings aren't always good today we have all these crazy feelings and we're wondering why god is doing this pandemic but it doesn't mean that my feelings are true necessarily they're they're real but sometimes my feelings live in kind of fairy tale or are, are not necessarily true so when we talk about hardening hearts my self-centeredness needs to kind of um minimize and and my selfish my selflessness towards god needs to grow here john three thirty, uh, he must increase and i must decrease and you know my hardened heart took me into places i never wanted to go but in christ he's kind of brought it back and so that i can feel things and use it for um his purposes instead of my purposes that's good yeah, I know for me, I've been thinking of a good definition of repentance, which, yeah, it's like it means to have a new thought or some people say making a 180. But sometimes I think for me, it's it's having a heart, a hardened heart means you're not teachable. Like God is the ultimate teacher and he's always teaching us about life, every aspect, especially relationships with other people. If you just look at the Ten Commandments, the first five have to do with honoring him and our parents and then the other ones had to do with not sinning against people and so for me it's just it's simply being teachable right allowing ourselves to um i don't know like there's been moments in my life where god has corrected me and i could almost feel that tug in my heart where it's like i didn't want to do what he was asking me to do and for me it's like that's a hardened heart is the point where you no longer want to obey god or no longer want to even be teachable from him. It's good. Yeah. So with that, Jeff and, and Jeffrey, you you briefly talked about a time where you felt like your heart was getting a little more closed off or unteachable. So how did you get away from those feelings or how did you turn back? The interesting thing for me is I got put on timeout by the California Department of Corrections. And just like people are on timeout now and timeout now in their lives. I turned to the word of God and I listened and I just kind of said, I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So one of the things that I did is turn back from those false feelings or fears that I was having. And, and I made a decision that God's word was going to become more and more apparent in my life and um, committing to his word and committing to listening to messages. I, I listened to a couple different messages beyond Jeremy's message this week. I'll listen to two or three other messages because I want to uh, absorb more of God's word. So that's kind of what worked for me. I know an NFL coach said, do you want the, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? And for me, there's like two main teachers in life. It's either we get wisdom, we ask God for wisdom and read this book and get into the word daily or we are going to learn from the teacher called consequence, which is way more painful to learn from consequences in life. And so I think that's one way that um, that even God could, could teach us is simply handing us over to our own desires, like Jeff was saying, and and experiencing those those painful consequences. And sometimes it's not even our decisions. Or it's, it can be other people's decisions, you know, maybe a parent's decisions or, or a boss or and experiencing that kind of consequence, which makes us just want to seek and, and gain wisdom, like we see in Proverbs, like Solomon telling. That's good. I just learned there's a, uh, a town in New Mexico called Truth or Consequences. <laughs> For real. Nice. Story. Yeah. 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 You have nicer things to say about them than you do about Georgia? Is that? 
Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> I, I have like a travel ban to Georgia now. So. <laughs> Sorry, I have I've been there before. I need to go back. So, wow. <laughs> no offense if you're from Georgia, if you're listening, or have family or friends. We still love you. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I love this this analogy. It's uh it's something I've dealt with before at the same time where my pride or my ego just continues to shut out the wisdom of what God has. Uh, trying to speak into my heart. It's like, I can handle this on my own. I can understand this. Why do I have to ask what you were doing? Or um, So my, my pride continually gets in the way, but it's going to God and actually asking him to remove that pride, humble myself is what's helped me best of all. But I know that's something that I'm going to continue to struggle with until I just continue releasing it to God and seeing what he can do with it. But uh, thank you for answering that. I want to continue on in our study tonight in Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 20 through 22. Gerald's actually going to backtrack one extra verse to get it going. So if you can go ahead and read that. It says, well, then you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. He says, this is verse 20. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why, uh, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make the one jar, one jar for direction and an, or de- uh, sorry, declara- uh, decoration and another uh, to throw in garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. Thank you for reading that. Um, there's some big things that are happening in this moment. And it takes me back to a place where... I don't know if you guys noticed, Paul's kind of going back to this person questioning what's going on. He's questioning this whole thing. It takes me back to to Job, um, where there's a situation where Job was continually getting the short end of the stick. And it came to the point where Job went forward and began to question God's wisdom and the reasoning of why these things happened to him. And it says in, in Job verse 38 verses two through four, as God talks to Job, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. It's like that dad smackdown talk, like who do you really think that you are uh, to question me? Were you here at the beginning? Do you have to remember who I am? Um, and today's, today's message is actually labeled, um, it's time to cover our mouths and let God be God. Because the way he responds in chapter 40 of Job, when Job replies back to the Lord after getting this verbal smackdown, he says, do you still want to, God says, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic, but do you have the answers? And Job responds, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. So he puts his foot in his mouth because he begins to 
realize who am I to question God? And that's the same thing that, that Paul is bringing forward right now. Who are you to ask these questions? Um, so he's pretty much put his hand over everyone's mouth to, to stop this nonsense speaking at the moment. Um, and he brings us into this, this cool image of the potter and the clay, um, where we actually get to see who God truly is. You know, God is the potter and we are the clay. I'm the clay. These people on the panel are the clay. You sitting at home are the clay. So the best thing that can happen is the clay, you and I, to yield to the maker, to yield to the master potter. So you sit on that turntable and you let God do what he wants to not only create you, but make you into what he wants you to be. Um, So don't fight him. Let him mold you. Let him mold me into what he ultimately has planned. So I want to to label this next section art class. I want to get your guys' viewpoint on this. Um, have you has God molded you into what you are today, and how did He do so? I was going to say, just kind of going back to what you yeah. said a second ago, was we have a lot of critics right now, critiquing, uh, criticizing God and what He's doing uh, during this pandemic, and uh, there's a lot of conversation. And our job as Christians is not to critique God. Uh, but to show his love and bring peace. And that kind of goes to me as being molded because trust me, I'm a critiquer. I'm a selfish, self-centered man. And before I really had God kind of deep within me, I was always pointing out others' issues and faults and including God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Instead of trusting in him. And, you know, when we talk about molding or chiseling or breaking us down, he's working us over so that we can be more like him and less like ourselves. And it seems like we, you know, when I get out of the mold of of the world and into the mold of, of him, I'm not critiquing this world and I'm not critiquing him. Uh, I'm actually just experiencing him and loving him through this process. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know, uh, you know, couple things about art um and uh, the, the beauty hey, good is, job zeke you know, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> well finger painting my uh, son whipped up real quick <clears throat> what is what has your kid done dustin <laughs> he watches me make weird videos that's, that's... Uh, i know <laughs> um the the beautiful part about uh art is that it's an expression right uh we see some weird things about art you can see like uh, shark suspended in uh, formaldehyde. That's apparently art and all just different things. Uh, but every artist has an imprint on their on their piece of art. And upon the, the clay, the potter puts his mark. And that is something that we take just so uh, lightly sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God and others. Because I, I remember walking out of the NICU one morning when uh, our, our son Zeke was there uh, for 63 days. One of those days I walk out and I, I'm there in Oxnard and I see a, a homeless man on the street. And I, I'm just thinking about how much care and medical um, assistance we're giving to our son and, and how just like so focused we are on him. And we should have that same focus on someone else, someone on the side of the street, someone, every person. And I, I, I thought about when, when that individual uh, who's living on the street was a baby, man, like someone hopefully cared for him, you know? And, and I don't know, it's just like that feeling that like each of us uh, bear God's imprint 
on our lives and have that special relationship with with God in that way. Wow, that's deep, bro. I don't yeah, know. That was I might cut my ear off now. Man, that's a thank you for sharing that. And I don't know how you had time to come up with that as you were painting that. Wow, (laughs) painting. Well, Zeke was painting. I was just talking about that. It's really good stuff. Um, But just to know, God is is just. God is right, and God is true. Uh, And using justice. We will be used just as he wants us to be used. That's the thing. Like Jeremy's talking about this care being used. He's, he's going to care for each and every one of us in a different way. Um, we just have to be accepting of who he is. Uh, we have no right to the challenge of sovereignty or how in control he is. Uh, we just must, must be ready to submit to it. Uh, our very existence depends on him. So I'm going to say be going forward, we can either be like Moses or we can be like Pharaoh. That's the type of thing. We can be willing to get ready to transform, be ready to change, or we continue to have our heart hardened because we're not willing to let him inside. So as Moses, we are the recipients of God's grace, and we are vessels in which God will use to demonstrate his mercy. If we go against it, we will be used as Pharaoh, and by our hardening, we'll be vessels by which God will still reveal his wrath on sin. So different ways you can go down two different roads that we can be a part of, but we definitely want to be a part of the, the good road of Moses. So be like Moses, give in to God. Don't be afraid of what he's going to do with you. Uh, with that, we're going to tackle a pretty big chunk of scripture right now. And that's why we have the soothing voice of Jeffrey Barnett, ready to read through Romans chapter 9, verses 23 through 33. All right, I'll get, get us going with that. Uh, verse 23 says, He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, amen to that, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who are not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they, were, there they will be called children of the living God. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, though the people of Israel as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven's armies has not spared a few of our, of our children, we have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. Verse 30. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles are not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Thank you for reading that. We get a chance to take a step back into our last sermon series we went through um, where we got to go through Hosea and God 
begins to reveal he intends to restore his people. He, we go back to the scripture of Hosea and seeing that, how he said a long ago and it's coming to pass. Uh, no matter who they were, where they came from, or what they had done, uh, we were still considered his people. And that's something important to remember. Um, but this part of, there's so many images here of earning our way back too. There's, we go back and forth of what does this mean to earn our way back? Do we do that? Uh, so I want to get your guys' take on that. But first, I want to set this context because Paul, he's brilliant, and he, he knows how to hit different demographics. Uh, can someone answer me, why does Paul keep referencing back to the Old Testament? We see it in Hosea and Isaiah. Like, why does he do that? Well, it's his basis. I mean, Paul is a Jewish scholar, a Pharisee, uh, and he's speaking to um, not only the, the Jews in Rome, or the, but also the Gentiles in Rome, but it, this is the basis of his all understanding. And uh, we see that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, and um, that salvation is not just an event, uh, that Jesus dying on the cross and then being raised from the grave, but uh, salvation is God's saving activity throughout human history and, and even beyond that culminates in the death and resurrection of Jesus uh, and, and obviously his return as well. Um, so the Old Testament is super central to Paul's theology and understanding of, of life and culture and everything. So. Yeah, and it also shows us that, that his own people uh, disbelieve, just like today we're hearing the gospel message we're reading out of the book of Romans. Our, our friends and family might not believe, and there's context. He's showing us that in even people that had God right in front of them and working through them and bringing them hope and peace and into the promised land will forget and walk away because we forget and walk away. And so this is the context. He's like, even my own people, the ones that truly believe in Yahweh, don't have belief in who he is. That's good. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know for me, I'm kind of a student of history. I like history. I know history bores a lot of people, but in history, we find examples of ourselves, and it repeats our, it repeats itself. And I can't remember where it is in the New Testament, but it was saying that um, this was written for examples, to be examples for us. When we read about the Israelites, when we read about Moses, our, the heroes and villains uh, in the Bible, these are all mentors. I never really realized, but these are the best uh, mentors that we can have in life. As great as the mentors of uh, modern day leaders in the church, they're not as great as the ones in the Bible. You know, having Moses walking beside Moses and, and seeing him struggle with anger and seeing him struggle with leading a, a people that were stubborn, like that, to me, that, that speaks so much volumes into being a leader today in, in the church, right? Dealing with difficult people. I really do believe that our the, the Bible is such a book, if we can really read it and and find those mentors in it that can teach us about not only ourselves but how to lead the church, how to um, how to how to act and, and be as as a warning for us, so we wouldn't fall into the same snares and traps. That's good. Yeah, I'm a big facts guy, so I, I imagine if I was trying to lead a a talk, uh, if you have anything that's backed up by factual evidence, so you get to go back in the time and say, see. This is what happened, and this is why. I'm, I think he's just proven a great point through that. So, um, What other themes stick out to you guys here? This is a, a huge chunk of scripture, like I said earlier. 
Uh, we're about to get into earning our way into God's good grace. Does anything else stick out to you guys in this text before we move on to that? Verse 27 kind of stood out when uh, Barnett was reading it. It said, uh, though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. And it just reminds me today that not everybody's going to be saved. There's going to be a remnant that are going to stand true and strong and and uh, walk the gospel in, in and out of their life daily. And what I mean by that is walk out and live the gospel out and walk in the gospel into their heart. So uh, it's kind of a scary place that not everybody has it. I had someone kind of hit me up on social media last night saying, why is God allowing this to happen? And I just said, man, this is... This isn't the right kind of question of why, uh, but how you can grow from it. And I send him just some basic things on social media that people were sharing the good that was coming out of it, because mm -hmm. there is good coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah, when I, I want to move on to this next point. Those, that's an excellent point, Jeff. Um, because I think this is huge. This next point, uh, when we're saying we're, they never succeeded of trying to keep the law and pretty much get right with God, earn their way back. I think this is something that a lot of us at home struggle with. Uh, we haven't really grasped this idea that it's not what we do that gets us that salvation. It has nothing that we can do to earn that way. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Why, why do you feel that maybe if it's you or someone you know, they, they still feel like they need to earn their way into God's good graces? I think because that's how we relate to everything else in our world is that we earn a paycheck, we earn uh, a promotion, we earn whatever uh, title we we achieve, you know, and we live in a world that's defined by achievement and earning. Um, but then you look at some interesting things like um, the love uh, of a parent or for a parent. Uh, there's this, this scene in uh, the movie called 310 to Yuma, a uh, famous uh, Western film where... Uh, wow, when you can bring uh, that reference in, that's... Well, it was the new good. one. It wasn't the old one. It was the new one with <laughs> Russell Crowe. And he, he says this line, he says, even bad boys love their mamas. And Ooh. it's just like, I, I love that uh, because it's, uh, it's this sense that like, maybe the mom was terrible. Maybe, obviously, Russell Crowe's a terrible individual. Uh, the character is a, a terrible character. And... Uh, you know, but there's this, there's no sense of earning in that. It's just love, you know, and, and maybe that's the closest thing that we can come to, to uh, unconditional love, the love for a parent, for a child, or a child for a parent. Um, but that's not the way our world works, you know. We don't unconditionally love uh, employees or businesses or whatever it may be, sports figures, teams, all, all that sort of stuff, you know. So I think that's why we live in a world of dominated by achievement and earning and that affects our theology. Systematic humanity has been following rules when there's no, when there's no rules, there's just chaos. We see that all throughout the world when there's no leader or there's no government, we see chaos and confusion. So we want to follow rules. I mean, Dustin, if you gave us rules and you kind of did, to follow the text today and to kind of keep us in it, it makes it make sense and it gives us reason to go forward. Um, we want to follow rules and it's easier. If I follow rules, I can check it off and go, I did my devotion. 
I listened to the message. I was nice to grandma or mom and dad. That's all I have to do to truly be a good Christian. Instead of kind of just going, man, Lord, what can I get out of you? And how can I kind of like you kind of what you're talking about in your art place in this section? How can I be molded or, or more like you? I just want to follow rules and check it off and go, this is what I've got out of my grocery list. And this is what makes me right. And in that I should see even, I should receive the mercy of God and the grace of God to follow things quickly so that I can receive that. I think that's a great point. Uh, in, in that scenario, who's doing the saving is that, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, but you're the one saving yourself. So it puts the sacrifice null and void or incomplete. So that's a great point. It's good. Well, I think all of us too, we, we want to, uh, I think the reason why we like rules is because with rules, we can control things, control, control things. Like I think every, everybody or innately in our sinful nature, we want a bargaining chip with God. Like we want to be able to, you know, have this, um, yeah, bargaining chip where we can negotiate with God because we we did something impressive or did something yet, um, of ourselves, and to me it's like that's that's such a fearful thing that we're that we're not the ones that get to control God that we can't we can't control Him you know we can't make we can't make Him love us or or not love us in in that regard, and to me that's just the the ultimate thing. It's just our our I think our nature our sinful nature wants us to control that, that sense of control. It's oh, a great point. Um, but I, when I look at this and I, I think about the rules that we're stating and what it means to, to earn our way back and how that's just not successful to try to do. I know that I try to earn my way back in the beginning and God's graces because I thought it was the right thing to do because of some of the things I did in my past that I have to, you know, climb my way back in to try to make a difference, maybe because of some of the sin that I, I held on to. Um, and I want the listeners at home to know that there is no sin that is not something that we can climb back from. Um, we need to stop distancing ourselves from God and get to the point where we just humbly accept that he loves us unconditionally and we need to let him in for that. Uh, you have to remember who's writing the text that we're reading at this time. It's Paul himself, uh, a persecutor of the church, what we talked about last week. Uh, he killed Christians for fun. He even called himself the chief of all sinners at one point, and he came to follow Jesus, and yet people in the church had a hard time believing it at first because he had such a bad reputation with them. But that's what grace is all about. Uh, we are saved not because of we're good enough for what we've done, um, we are saved because God has done everything for us. Uh, he's giving us eternal life that we only respond in, in the sacrificial love that he has given us. So that's what we call faith. We, we trust in him. We believe in him and we love like he loves. Uh, that faith is what we need to have in God and try not to understand his ways, but to just trust whatever he's going to do. He's doing for good and he's going to do it to proclaim his glory in that time. Um, that's good. I was going to say uh, the text at the very end in verse 33 talks about it being a stumbling block, a stumbling block of like, if you don't understand this, if this doesn't make sense, if it's kind of confusing, it might be a stumbling block, but it says it's so that we stumble onto Jesus and Jesus becomes our solution. His grace and mercy really kind of bring us to the place of glory. 
And so, I mean, it's a good close for us to have is to realize we don't have to have all the answers to be right with God. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, you've done a really good job on uh, props back there, all the screens yeah. and stuff. You yeah. like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to bring in a bigger budget so some more realistic yeah. ones. This is. <laughs> yeah. This format because I really like hanging out with you guys. And it really shows that we do have a true friendship and uh, it's just a really cool way to communicate. I know we're social distancing now for, uh, for good reason. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be able to hang out with you guys and communicate the gospel and glory through this medium. Are we going to do like final word or something like that? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. You're up. All right. Be like, be like Moses, right? Nice. <laughs> Look at that beard. I think I should bring the beard back, especially during this time of quarantine and all that. Yeah. I just need a I just need a robe like that. I'm pretty sure you got one of those. I think I seen one the other day. It's just... <laughs> I, I bet I can find it on Amazon or something. <laughs> but uh that's a good point. Moses Moses messed up all the time. Uh, Moses was human. And moment, Moses failed, but in that, God's grace uh, is sufficient, and his grace overcomes and overwhelms, and uh, little bits of faith can amount to a lot, uh, a lot of good stuff coming. So I think just during this time, like, we just remember, remember the small things, because those are, are actually really big things, too. That's good. That's what I got. Yeah. What do you got? You guys, what's Jeffrey talking about? We got to see Jeff. <laughs> Jeffrey. Uh, uh, the one, the one <laughs> wearing the sweater. That's... Sweater, Jeff. Sweater, yeah. Jeff. On the sweater, on the sweater one. Uh, I think for me, it's just, I think we, t I, I, I tend to be pretty introspective and I'm just trying to realize that. I, I think for me, it's not, it's not having a thought about myself that, that he doesn't have in, in his mind. And it just blows me away, I think, every year um, how God reveals to show his favor and his love upon me. And I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like I fail all the time. But God just continues. It's like it doesn't, his love doesn't make any sense. You know, and because, you know, we want to base it on our performance. We want to base it on what we do. But he just continually loves us and showers upon us with, with so much grace. That doesn't mean that he doesn't discipline us because he's, he's a good father. He doesn't want us to, you know, say drive the, you know, the car off a cliff or something, but it, it's just so amazing that I just hope that everyone watching would just want to press into that relationship and spend time with them daily to have uh, a moment of silence to, to just to get to know him because he's so much better than what we could even, what we can even describe you. I'll give Dustin the final word, so I'll go first. Uh, this is Jeremy Case. It's all God. God's got the final word. That's it. That's all God. <laughs> um, you know what I wanted to say is my final word is, you know what? If you're watching this and you want to kind of uh, dig into your faith, do what we're doing. Um, call some friends. Do some FaceTiming. Uh, open up the word with other people and just watch how it kind of builds your faith. Even if you uh, uh, disagree with everything that's being said by the other person, that doesn't mean that you can't grow. All of us have a little bit of different flavor on how we see the text in some of the stronger ones. But 
it's really a way for us to grow as human beings is to see Jeremy's opinions and Barnett's insights and Dustin's uh, Mario Kart kind of characteristics. And uh, <laughs> it helps us understand the gospel. So my final word would be share the text with somebody this week beyond tonight and uh, watch it come alive in a different, in a different way. Good. Um, as I think of my final point, I'll go to one of my favorite slogans. That's why I own a shirt that says it. We just got to trust God and chill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You just got to let God be God. We said it last week too. Um, I trust in his sovereignty. I trust in his control. I trust in his ways. I trust that in this moment, uh, as we were talking about earlier, of kind of confusion and that more people find him more than ever uh, because they need him more than ever. We're at a, a time where people are questioning or they don't have answers. Well, that's the perfect time where we, we turn to God. So if you have any uh, questions or concerns, we encourage you guys, we are here for you at the same time. The pastoral staff, the Journey of the Church staff, we have a prayer team uh, ready and accessible. We want to talk to you still. Just because we're not within the four walls of a church, we are the at-home church now. Um, we have a mighty God that will bring us all together. So we want you to know that you're being thought about, you're being cared for, but please reach out to us, uh, comment on the page, let us know how we can reach you, uh, what we can pray about with you. Uh, continue to stay uh, up to date on our Journey to Church Facebook page, also our app and our website. We have tons of content going out to stay connected with you. We want you to know that you are not alone in the situation. Uh, not only are we there for you, but God is there for you all these times. Uh, the uncertainty is the time where we really get to see God in control. So hand it over to him. But give a, I, I'm going to give an applause to these guys, a quiet applause. What a great panel. I will do golf clap. Yeah, golf clap. Do this. I'll do this applause right here. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Um, but we love you, church family. Uh, thank you for joining us this Wednesday night. Uh, we will see you Sunday as well. Keep sending in those pictures on where you are watching church. And then, like I said, leave comments. Let us know how you're doing. We need a, a check-in with you guys. So we thank you, and God bless America. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is it.